Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, Landfill. And now, here is your host, Rob Pasquale. Thank you for tuning in yet again to the Squared Circle Pit. Really excited about my guest this week. It's someone who has been requested from you, the loyal listeners. I've, I've seen plenty of requests for Landfill, who you might know, from his bands Municipal Waste, Iron Reagan, and Cannabis Corpse. And uh, Phil and I had a great, great talk. We talked a little bit about this past weekend, which was, of course, SummerSlam weekend here in New York City. And it's quite an exciting weekend. It might be my favorite wrestling weekend. I mean, I'm obviously a little biased because I live in Brooklyn, and the events are all in Brooklyn. And there was a ton of stuff this weekend. And it kicked off with a pre-party, which I was so kind, like I was so thankful to be invited to, where I got to interview a bunch of the dudes. I'm talking about, I interviewed Bray Wyatt. I interviewed... Dean Ambrose, Ginger Mahal, Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins. Talked to all of those dudes about heavy metal. They couldn't have been nicer. And I I recommend you check out that video. I'll have it embedded in the post. As far as the weekend of wrestling, I attended NXT TakeOver Live. And it might have been the best WWE show I've ever seen live. Top to bottom, it was all great matches. It was done Two and a half hours or so. I got home by 11. No complaints. It was the perfectly paced big show, I feel. And honestly, I I wish that the main wrestler kind of took after that. SummerSlam, I did not go to uh, by choice. I just would, like I went last year. And while it was fun, I'd rather spend those five hours on a couch getting high watching it. And that's exactly what I did. And... I don't know. I feel like when I watch a pay-per-view, if I'm not on social media, which I wasn't because I was a little behind, so I didn't want anything spoiled, I find myself coming away from it with a much more positive experience because when I signed online after SummerSlam, everyone was saying, oh, it sucked. It was terrible. And I mean, there were certainly some matches that I didn't care for, like the big show, big cast match or John Cena versus Baron Corbin. But There was plenty, plenty of great wrestling as well. Uh, The main event was unreal. Both women's matches were solid, pretty good. Both tag team matches, tag team title matches were amazing. I think uh, New Day versus the Usos was the second best match on the show behind the main event. And that was on the pre-show. So it was a... It was a fun weekend overall, and it's exciting now. The WWE is in a bit of a reset, like a soft season premiere, it seems, with new storylines, new feuds, and especially at NXT with the debut of Adam Cole. And, you know, the crowd all night was just waiting for Adam Cole. And when he showed up, I could not even hear myself because the crowd was so nuts. And I was one of those people that was waiting for Adam to do his big Adam Cole baby chant. And when he finally did it, myself and the entire arena exploded. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's move on to our interview. Like I said, I spoke to Landfill. It was a really fun chat with this dude who has been a lifer of pro wrestling and heavy metal, much as I have. 
and it was a fun talk. And I want to remind you, if you dig what you hear, please do me a favor. Shoot me a tweet or a Facebook message saying you like the show. You can follow on Facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit or Twitter.com slash Squared Circle Pit. No E in circle on Twitter. And I am, of course, Rob Injection on all social media. So let's get to the interview with Landfill. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, there is a musician, a metalhead, a wrestling fan who I've wanted to have on for a very long time and has been much requested. It is Landfill from Municipal Waste Cannabis Corpse. Phil, thank you so much for uh, popping into the show. Hey, it's a good. Uh, it's always a good time talking to you. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. I've been wanting to have you on ever since the show started ever since the square circle pit started about a year ago i want to quickly mention that cannabis corpse is putting out a brand new album left hand pass it's out september 8th and that's about as much metal talk as i want to have on this podcast today (laughs) (laughs) yeah we got the new album coming out september 8th and we worked real hard on it uh, Canvas Corpse is an entity that is always fun to work on because it's the only band that I'm in with my identical twin brother, Paul Hammer, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. he's affectionately called. And so whenever we get the opportunity to record new music and go out there on the road, it's fun just to spend some time with my bro, who I don't normally get to spend a lot of time with. Oh, I, I didn't realize you guys were uh, identical. Uh, tw- were you, are you guys twins? I thought you guys were just brothers. I guess the beard obscures the... Nope, I'm not making that up. That is a true thing. Uh, We are twins. Yes, we were born on the same day from the same womb, if you will. (laughs) I guess if anyone would know, it would be you, right? Your brother, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I've spent a lot of time with that guy. So uh, you're a huge wrestling fan, which I love. And uh, I remember you were one of the first metalheads that was like public about their wrestling fandom i met, i remember many moons ago at maryland death fest you had like an ultimate warrior jacket was it ultimate warrior or hulk hogan uh well i have a warrior one and a hogan one okay There's these old school 80s suede wrestling jackets that they made back in the well they might have even been mid 90s i'm not sure but right, there right. are these radical suede jackets that have the old school wwf logo on the on the chest and uh, a big giant back print of these wrestlers and there's a Hogan one and the Warrior one and it's a funny story because the Hogan one that I have is signed by Jake the Snake Rock Roberts of all people <laughs> my brother was wearing the jacket at a wrestling show an indie one where Jake the Snake was signing things and my brother and his and his all-knowing wisdom decided it would be a good idea to have Jake sign the Hogan jacket. So for some reason, my Hulk Hogan jacket has a giant Jake the Snake signature on it. <laughs> well, now you got a great story about it, too. Oh, well, yeah, there you got it. So what, do you remember your first wrestling experience, how you first, first got into it? I don't know. It seems like something that's just been a part of my life for so long. I mean, growing up in Richmond, Virginia, it's uh, wrestling is just part of the zeitgeist, if you will. I mean, I just can remember 
watching wrestling as a kid on Saturday mornings and it's become more of a religion to me really I mean it's mm-hmm. like watching Monday Night Raw is kind of like going to church it's it's something that sometimes I don't want to do but I begrudgingly <laughs> do anyway and I just sit there for three hours and and ingest whatever the Lord has decided to bestow on me that week. <laughs> whatever Lord McMahon <laughs> says <laughs> deems Lord appropriate. Vince McMahon, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not always good, but there are occasional nuggets of goodness that will come by, and those are the moments that you kind of live for as a wrestling fan. I hear you. So, do you, do you, like, who introduced you to wrestling, or you just it's just always been there? It's just been there, yeah. I don't know. I don't think anybody kind of introduced me to wrestling. It's just been it's just been part of my world for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. and I was graced to be a part of that late '90s boom period where it was just you know, and I was at the perfect age. I was I was about 17 at the time when Stone Cold and The Rock and WCW and all that stuff was going down full force and. And if you weren't into wrestling in the late 90s and you were 17 years old, there was something wrong with you. I mean, everybody was into it. That's when it was the best. I mean, the storylines, I mean, every week it was just on fire how exciting it was. I and agree. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I, I, I was right there with you. I was uh, probably a little younger. I was like around 13, 14 around the time. It was like high school. And I I feel like if you weren't a part of that, moment you really missed out on what i consider the golden age of pro wrestling like it's never going to be that great you're never going to have two competing like top promotions on at the same time just channel flipping between them was such a ritual and having to decide on like which segment is worth your your eyeballs more because this was before DVRs. I mean, I guess there was VCRs, and if you were lucky enough to have cable in multiple rooms, you might be able to tape it in one room while watching the other in the other room. I did not have that luxury, so it was it was a lot of that, and I loved it. Yeah, the excitement level was at eleven. I mean, you didn't you truly didn't know what was going to happen, and if you watch episodes from back then, I feel like the product in general was just so much more exciting in every way i mean the matches were off the chains and just wild shit would go down every monday and it was it was like you just had to, it was like watching a car accident sometimes and i don't know it's it's really hard to kind of relive those moments with today's product but there are good things about it you know i'm not one of those people that sits there and complains about every little thing i just try to see the good and what's happening now i can see why wwe decided to flip the script from you know having lingerie matches to a somewhat more wholesome uh image you know ever since they became a publicly traded company of course and uh you know toned down the violence a little bit and of course toned down the trauma head trauma i'm 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 into that honestly have good enough reasons for that too yeah i i honestly cannot watch a chair shot to the head anymore just knowing what kind of damage it could cause. And it's just it just seems to me like it's unnecessary in the sense that if you don't do it, it wouldn't take away from the match at all. You know, it's supposed to be a choreographed 
piece of like theater, like live theater, you know? So work around the limitations. You don't want to kill each other. You want to be able to wrestle as much as you can. You know, it's funny. I saw Vince McMahon take a chair shot to the head one time, and I was blown away. Even Vince was taking chair shots back in the Attitude Era. Yeah, I mean, everyone was was doing it because nobody thought it was that big of a deal, which just seems absurd in retrospect. But yeah, everyone was doing it, and I don't know. Uh, What were some of your favorite, fondest moments from the Attitude Era that you look back on? Did you have a favorite at the time of WWF or WCW? Well, one of the first live wrestling shows I ever went to mm-hmm. uh, was in Richmond, Virginia, of course. And it was it was towards the end of the Attitude Era. We're getting into the 2000s, maybe a little bit. But the, the event we went to, the main event was Hogan versus Brock Lesnar, right? And okay, this was yeah. The, this is like 2002, 2003. Yeah, yeah. So the, the show... Ended with Hogan getting power bombed by Lesnar, which, if you think about that now, is, is amazing. That is Hogan pretty crazy take, at his age. Yeah, you know, Hogan would never take a power bomb any these days. And uh, I don't, I don't remember what happened, but Hogan bladed and was bleeding. And uh, as Lesnar was leaving, he took the blood and like wiped it on his chest, and was all brutal looking. And uh, Josh and I had a joke that we we're sitting in kind of like the nosebleed section and there's a moment where Hogan's like in position to get dropped as he's up in the power bomb, you know? Yeah. And we could have swore he reached out to us <laughs> and, it's, and, and mouth the word, help me. As, <laughs> is this, and there was nothing is this we could the... do. We couldn't make it in there in time to save Hogan. So <laughs> he took the, he took the power bomb. Was this at like a, a house show? Did you say uh, I missed that, or was this a SmackDown taping? No, they... it was a, it was like a Monday Night Raw, I believe. No, it was I mean, SmackDown. It was like a big angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was it was SmackDown. I because re- I remember watching that with him with Brock, like wiping the blood on his chest like a warrior and yes. looking so badass. That was a great episode. You know, another thing I can remember from that show. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, it, no. it just popped in my head. Uh, as we, we showed up to the arena a little late, so everybody was inside watching the show. So we're just kind of walk, waltzing up, not a lot of people around. And this guy comes up and he's like, hey, how would you how would you like to meet the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart? And we're like, yeah, how about shit, yeah. <laughs> so we go around the corner, and it's I'll never forget it. We go around the corner, and they have all these cameras set up with lights and the whole deal. And, they, and there's the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, right there. And... They have us come right up, and we shake hands with the guy, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're shooting some like little bits of fans, just kind of talking about what they love about WWE, blah blah blah." So when we when when Jimmy Hart rings this bell, just start saying whatever you like about WWE, and um, yeah, so he was holding the microphone, Jimmy Hart, as we just started going to town, being kind of wasted honestly just like mm-hmm. talking all this nonsense about wwe and you know then when we were done it was i don't know it was this amazing experience that i'll never forget he definitely threw out like the the wrestler handshake and it was two fingers and and we put out the i put out the full hand and i i messed it up i didn't i didn't get the handshake right hold on though the the soft two finger nothing handshake you yeah. mean so for those, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because because in the in the behind the scenes world of wrestling, to explain this to 
a listener who, who might not be clued into this, the goal when shaking another wrestler's hand uh, is to be as soft as possible because the last thing you want to do is injure the wrestler's hand outside of the ring. You don't want, like, whereas you want a good firm handshake in, like, you know, real life, like in the corporate world. In the wrestling world, it's like you give the the wussiest, <laughs> the wussier, the wussier, the better. <laughs> the, right. Well, it just is a sign of respect to show the other performer that you are not going to hurt them. And right, right, you right. are here to do business. And, you know... You can be the biggest, strongest, muscliest dude, and then you give him this really light little feather-like handshake, and it just shows the other guy, hey, he's gonna he's gonna protect me. He's not gonna like mm-hmm. throw a bunch of potatoes. Yeah. Uh, and so, well, did you watch ECW at all at the time? At that time, because I mean, that was right up. No, there with... I didn't really. You know, before the internet and stuff, I didn't really have a lot of access to ECW. You know, it was like the internet was just starting to come around and I don't know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really, I knew about it, but I didn't really dive deep until later when I began getting access to tapes and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and now of course with the WWE network, uh, you can see it all. And, but even those, those are heavily edited. Of course they edited and out that, all the super offensive stuff. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely ECW stuff that the WWE network is, decided to what are they about out? like what anything you think the only thing i know well, there's is, like uh, more violent there's like matches that are incredibly violent and like there's a couple things i i don't know i can't list off a, a couple i can't list off anything right now but i know that there's things that they've left out there's even entire pay-per-views that they've left out uh i noticed that one thing i i i mean i understand why they do it but it's such a bummer is that they edited out all the original music from ecw and ecw some like I they they skirted the licensing issue to get all of this amazing like alternative rock and metal from the late nineties as entrance themes for people. And uh Paul Heyman actually explained it once. He said that the way they got around paying the royalties is that it's a much cheaper rate to uh just pay for the royalty to play a song in a venue. And they never actually piped that audio into the camera feed. It was just like the live audience audio of the music. That yeah. way that way they didn't have to pay the royalty for putting it on the air. Oh yeah. I'm sure that he tried to get away with as much as he could. Yeah, his dad right was a lawyer. He straight up not paying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm his sure dad... there's a lot of bills that are left unpaid. Uh yeah. But yeah, I was in the I was at uh in Brooklyn for the last weekend and I got to see both the NXT Brooklyn show and I got to see the SummerSlam show and uh, I had a re- it was a really fun time being a part of that arena for both nights and, and comparing and contrasting the, the differences between the two federations if you will. I mean of course the NXT show it's a lot markier audience so everybody was hanging on every single thing that happened in the ring which really helps a wrestling show. Well, also, and, it was um, a better wrestling, though. I mean, like, it was a tighter show, I felt. Most definitely. Probably one of the best wrestling shows I've ever seen in my life. I mean... I agree, yeah. The, I, was there, I was there for NXT as well. I wasn't at SummerSlam, but I agree with you completely. Like, it was top-to-bottom, nonstop action. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, 
I was sitting, um, I, I had some really great seats on the hard camera side, right down on the, like I was row one on, uh, I wasn't down on the floor, but right where the riser started, oh. I was row one right there on the riser. So basically the best seats that you could have. And, and me and my buddy, Thomas Saltman, who is this guy, Tom Saltman, uh, he used to work for WWE as the uh, ring entrance music guy. And he wrote a lot of the most popular entrances that are in there right now. He wrote the Seth Rollins theme. He wrote the Nakamura theme. He wrote the Glorious theme. He wrote the, you know, he's done so many themes. He did Cesaro's. He did Ascension. He did, it's crazy, the list of all the entrances he did. And um, and I was with him, and sitting behind me was the singer of Wisdom and Chains. And, uh that was his first wrestling show in his life. So I was kind of happy for him that he got to be a part of such a kick-ass show. I mean, if you're going to see a wrestling show for the first time is seeing that NXT Brooklyn show has got to be a trip. I mean, all those entrances were over the top, over the top, you know, and they have all these like, I mean, it was just great. And, and by contrast, when I went to SummerSlam the next day, I had the same seats and the show was a lot different. I mean, it's, it's, the card itself was a little bit weaker, and and of course the wrestlers are trying to maintain their brand, so they're not going out there like going as crazy as these NXT cats that are trying to prove themselves. So the level of competition is a little bit softer, if you will. And uh, I noticed that there was a lot of people getting jobbed out. It seemed really strange that like Enzo Amore seemed to take a job, and so did Rusev, and so did. I don't know, uh, uh, Corbin. And uh, it seemed like a lot of these people were just getting pinned one, two, three flat on their back, which in the wrestling world can be a bad thing sometimes. But maybe just to the marks. I mean, yeah. of course, you're well, I feel, I feel the, and they probably don't care. The Rusev one, I feel like to me, that just seemed like, hey, we have 10 matches on this show. Like, let's just, instead of making it look like we're jobbing at Rusev, let's just make it quick. Like, it was out of nowhere, and, and that way we have more time for other matches. Uh, with yeah. en- with Enzo, he's been just jobbed out the last two months in a row to the point that it's, like, sadistically funny. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> when he fell from the cage and just got wailed in the face with Big Kaz's boot, I just, it's funny. To, it's, like, it's sad and funny. Like, it's hilarious, but then, like, oh, why aren't they doing anything with Enzo, you know? Uh, with Cor- yeah. And with Corbin, I'm, I guess I could see how it was definitely like a job because it was just F you, go home, you know, F you, one, two, three. Uh, I, I guess I just expected Cena to win because it's SummerSlam. He's not going to lose to Corbin. Yeah. So it was just I like, think whatever. WWE did a good job of uh, keeping the finishes pretty unexpected. There was a lot of yeah. matches where people really just thought it was going to go one way. And then it went the other way, which is a good thing for WWE to do, you know, keeping people on their toes. I mean, you know, the dirt sheets and everything, they always are real good about calling. And, and it kind of spoils it, you know. It's its nice to have an unexpected element to these matches. I mean, that's the whole – all the excitement is built on who's going to win. And if you go into a match just knowing, okay, yeah, uh, Lesnar's going to leave for UFC after this, so he's definitely going to lose, blah, blah, blah. Which, and then Lesnar wins. So it's just like in your face, dirt sheets. You didn't know shit. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget, I was sitting there right on the, 
I was sitting there right on the first row, and then when Braun Strowman clotheslined Lesnar over the top rope, and Lesnar did that crazy backflip over the rope, it felt like he was going to fly into my lap. Just seeing those two huge behemoths, just like, I mean, those guys are enormous. And for them to be out there just clotheslining each other, that's worth the price of admission alone right there. <laughs> that main event definitely stole the cake. I agree. That was that was without question the main event of the fucking show. You know what I mean? That was like a main event, for, one of the best SummerSlam main events in a while. Like that delivered so good, especially after last year. The main event was Brock versus Randy, and like it ended, oh, yeah. it ended and, in like three minutes with like the non-ending. And I, I was there. I was like, "What the fuck is oh, this?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on tour with Iron Reagan at the time. We were in Europe. And uh, we were traveling around, and uh, we managed to download SummerSlam and watch it on a long drive. And then that main event came up. We were somewhere in Italy in the van. And, you know, it was the whole time we're like, oh, Lesnar, this, Lesnar, that. And then he comes out and just crushes Orton with this crazy elbow, splits him open the hard way. And we all looked at each other in disbelief. We couldn't believe what had just happened. It was, like, incredibly violent. I mean, for WWE to finish their card with something like that, it was so unexpected. And But Lesnar is always kind of that way. Whenever Lesnar is involved in a match, there's always some unexpected violence or something. I don't know. He's a terrific yeah. wrestler. I mean, he's probably the best wrestler in the, in the ring right now other than Kenny Omega and, I, uh, of course, AJ Styles. I feel like with Brock, they kind of let him be, for lack of a better term, more real. Like, they let him get away with shit that makes it like, no, 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 like, this guy's a legit badass that you should be afraid of. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a good thing. I mean... I mean, yeah, I, lo I should, love Brock. They should take that page and run with it for more wrestlers, you know? Like, it's becoming... Of course, it is predetermined and... And all these things, this and that, but you know, there's there needs to be unexpected things and and like UFC, you know, you'll UFC the finishes of fights are all this and that. There can be disqualifications, there can be unexpected submissions, you know, Ronda Rousey can get her head kicked off and that sort of thing can be applied to professional wrestling where the finishes just are so unexpected. It it can't always be a knockdown, drag out twenty minute wrestling match that is incredibly epic and gets four stars sometimes it needs to just be out of nowhere around house kick to the face one two three you're done you know just to keep the audience from being so complacent about great matches if that makes sense i uh, that's exactly what that randy orton match was it seemed you know just like look let's just do it <laughs> let's just get it done with yeah uh i heard an incredible story about chris Jericho becoming mad about he didn't know that the finish was going to go down like that, and apparently he got in Lesnar's face after the match and was like screaming at him about splitting Randy open, Randy open like that. And I guess Lesnar just sort of no-sold him, and then that made Jericho even madder. Which Jericho kind of had a little bit of a reputation of being a sort of a hothead, sort of like badass guy backstage. I mean, he infamously got into a fight with Goldberg backstage and. And all this and that, and so. Yeah, the way I heard the story with Brock, fight, I guess. yeah, the way I heard that story with Brock last year was that after it happened, Jericho went to like the producers' area, the gorilla position, and 
was like, was that real? Did that really happen? Or, or was that supposed to happen? And Michael Hayes, one of the producers, didn't answer him and was like, and then Jericho goes, what the fuck? And then he said that as Brock was coming backstage. So Brock thought he meant that at him. And so Brock went like, hey, fuck you. And then Jericho went, hey, fuck you. And they got in each other's face. And of course, Brock, Brock, uh, I, I read in the like Meltzer report or whatever that Brock made like kissy faces at, at, at Jericho. Like, oh, you're going oh, yeah, to punch me or you're going to kiss me or, gonna kiss me, that, or something yeah. like that. So yeah, that, that was a wild <laughs> Well, moment. good for Jer- Jericho. Jericho actually shouted out Iron Reagan one time in an interview, so I'm down with Jericho. Yeah, Jericho. Jericho's a cool dude. He's out. He's out on the road, rocking and rolling. Rock star, yeah. pro wrestler. So yep. I, wa- yep. I, wa- I want to ask you, who in the metal scene do you uh, talk to about pro wrestling? Who are your wrestling buddies? Hmm. Well, you know, wrestling fans pop up everywhere they're yeah. like there's secret wrestling fans all the time and i feel like it's becoming more and more acceptable to be into wrestling and talk about it as a as an adult i mean <laughs> here I mean, we are I watch, yeah. of, <laughs> I watch wrestling with uh tony a lot uh the, the singer of reagan and municipal ways he's into it and, and uh on the warp tour it's funny um during the summer, we did two and a half months on the Warp Tour, and uh, it was like this traveling circus of bands. I think it was like 70 bands and seven stages. It was a, a crazy experience. And uh, whenever there was a pay-per-view, there was a band called Neck Deep. I think I think they're from the U.K., and uh, they would set up a big screen TV behind their bus and have a big party, and we would all gather around. And Oh, that's awesome. So just wrestling. everyone from Warp Tour just hanging out? Well, not necessarily everyone, just uh, the people that were into wrestling. There well, right, a lot right, of people right. on Warped Tour. Who, who but it was so- fun. It was like people would come around and just, you know, watch it. We watched the, um, I don't know, it was the one where uh, it was like an ambulance match with Roman Reigns and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strowman. Battleground, I believe. Yeah, that, that was a good one. That was an awesome match, especially. That ending was ridiculous, though. <laughs> where, yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then right after that like a couple weeks later was the Punjabi prison match which which compared to the ambulance match that one was a real stinkeroo we just kind of were like oh what's this but it it does seem like for the ambulance match the best way I mean not the ambulance the Punjabi match the best way to watch it is with a group of people so you can all collectively shit on it (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's like it's funny when I'm whenever I'm watching wrestling. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you have the marks like you and I that yeah. know what they're watching and know how to react to what they're watching, and then you have the casual fans, and then you have the straight up unfans that always have shitty comments and dumb shit to say about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I generally hate being around those kinds of people when I'm watching wrestling because I'm here to enjoy it. I'm not here to hear your dumb jokes about, yeah, it's corny. I get it. It's dumb. I get it. We know this. You're not pointing anything out by pointing that out to me. Obviously, I'm a fan. I'm here to enjoy it. You know, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you know what I It absolutely makes sense. I know exactly what you're talking about. And those type of people are just no fun. And it's like, 
do you go into a movie theater when a movie is playing and be like, oh, that's not that Iron Man that was shot on a green screen that he's not really flying through New York. You know, like it's of course. And, and the thing that annoys me about those type of uh, elitist idiots is like they assume that you don't know this, you know, like, yeah. I, like, obviously it's like, yes, I, 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 I uh, forgive that aspect of it. I, I get lost in it, you know. Yeah, I mean, and even your analogy doesn't quite work because Iron Man is not performed live in front of exactly. uh, a giant audience. Right, if know? they fuck up, they could just do another take. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, like, that's, to me, that's what's interesting about it. Like, I know, and, like, I know it's scripted, but it's like there's still a huge amount of athleticism that is required and improvisation a- improvisation and a huge amount of improvisation acting you know, all of that stuff it's so and it's so much pressure to have to be perfect every time because you have millions of people watching you and if you fuck up it's going to be on the internet in 2 seconds in video form yeah. and gif form and every form you can imagine yeah. yeah you think that the metal world has a problem with over dissecting every little thing and just sort of, you know, bringing every, bringing to light every little thing. I mean, the wrestling world is like that Mach 10, you know, every right down to someone's facial expressions during a certain part or something will be analyzed on the internet and scrutinized. I mean, like this wrestling show we're doing right now, there's about a hundred bazillion other wrestling shows on the internet that, uh, you know, instantly, the next day, they have every little critique and every little thing. It's a crazy world, and for people that aren't into it, it's it's hard to even scratch the surface, you know, as it's a casual fan. Yeah, but. you get really immersed in it. I definitely know what you mean. I get lost in it, too. And I love my favorite thing is to watch with people that, you know, aren't regular viewers, but don't come in it with that, you know, judgment and preconceived notion. And like, like, all right, I'll go along for the ride and kind of, Watching them, like, fall into it, you know, like, really get bit by it and, like, really get it and just, like, uh, I was watching at a friend's house and her sister came over. I was watching SummerSlam. And when they did that whole thing with Brock and, like, where Braun, Braun was amazing. It's a Braun got made. It's like Braun was already on his way up. He is a fucking full-blown main eventer after that match. The way he manhandled yeah. Brock, where he like did the two power slams on the two tables, and then when he flipped that third table, and the yeah. the medics came out, like for you and me, we know what that means. You know, we know what's yeah. going on there. Like Brock, Brock wanted a little rest. You just assume Brock is out of the match. He's going to make the big comeback in like ten minutes, right? For this yeah. girl, yeah. what I love watching with a person who isn't a smark like you and I. Uh, but yeah. but is willing to suspend their disbelief. Like she was like, "Oh my god, he has to be really hurt. That has to be real." Like he, he's yes. like, and, look, and and that's beautiful. That makes yes. that always makes us like smile and like I, it, like, it reminds like, me. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of how like I love watching wrestling and feeling like a kid again watching wrestling. That's my favorite thing about going to see it live. I never really. I don't want to say I never really understood the fascination of seeing it live, but I, in the past, I always preferred watching it at home just because it's like, you know, you're in your boxers or whatever. You could 
pause. You could take as many bong rips as you want. You know, seeing it live is a much, much different experience. Absolutely, you get more of a grip of the physicality of it when you see it performed right in front of your face. There's, there's something about seeing these people do these moves right in front of you that will always trump seeing it done on television professionally shot through HD cameras and right. blah, blah, blah. Where you enough. control what you're looking at, not the camera controls what you're looking at. Exactly, exactly. And you can see there's so many subtle nuances to the performer's performance that you might miss on watching it on TV, but you'll catch in the arena. For instance, during the Cesaro, Sheamus uh, tag match, Mm-hmm. There was a moment Ambrose where, the, yeah, there was a, a moment where this beach ball was getting tossed around in the audience, and the whole audience became kind of distracted. It's weird in, in a wrestling show; you can really feel the the energy of the audience going. It goes up, it goes down, and you can kind of sense where all the attention is going. And suddenly, the entire arena is like more focused on this dang beach ball than the match. So the beach ball bounces around for a bit, and then Cesaro, out of nowhere, jumps over the railing, runs over the beach ball, and just tears it apart. And the whole crowd just goes, oh, my God. Like, it was the best thing he could have done. To re- like, it instantly got everyone's attention back in the match. You know, it was a genius move on his part. And, you know, I don't know if the cameras really caught that they whole did, thing. They just caught him yeah. running in and ripping it apart yeah yeah and uh you know and those are the kinds of things that you'll miss on tv and i don't know it's like i don't know where i was going with it <laughs> well uh, but, i'm glad you mentioned that well i wanted to ask like i wanted to ask you like w- w- before i ask you i wanted to just say the thing i love about going to see it live is the communal aspect of being able to see it with other people and i love sitting next to like a 12 year old kid 13-year-old kid, and just hearing them take in the show and react to the show and, like, just be so sincere and, like, not a bone of cynicism and, like, rooting for John Cena and and rooting for Roman. Like, I I love seeing that, like, seeing a person react the way the script intended them to react. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes you almost jealous. It makes you almost jealous that you like will never be able to have that sort of like, <laughs> right, right, right. That innocence. intense excitement about anything anymore. You know, it's yeah. like I feel so jaded that it's like going to these wrestling shows. It's almost like there's a part of me inside that's like trying to get that flame relit about you know about something you know. And you see these kids that are just like over the top stoked about things that are happening in the ring, and you're like. Yeah, see, that's it, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that makes life worth living, you know, seeing these crazy things happen in front of you and just being viscerally just completely entertained. You're not dissecting it, you're not overthinking it, it's just John Cena, body slamming Barry, Baron Corbin, you know, pinning him for the yeah. one, two, three, that's it, you know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, my, fa- my favorite guy won, you know, like, yeah, there was... <laughs> yeah. And like uh, I, I actually, I, I went to a house show, which I my favorite shows to go to are house shows. I feel because when they're not playing to the camera, they're playing to the crowd, which which is even more fun. And uh, there was this granny that was sitting behind me, like this eighty year old woman who whizzed 
so like the stereotypical granny at a wrestling show, like hit him, hit him. Oh, he deserves a yeah. good beat down. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Oh, that Kevin Owens, shut old up. Ladies at wrestling shows. You know, if you want to see some classic old lady at wrestling shows content, there's this documentary about, uh, you know, um, Andy, uh, the two old comedian, what's his name? Andy and he wrestled with Andy Kaufman. Yes. There's a, there's a fantastic documentary on about Andy Kaufman for, but, and for the people out there listening that don't know a lot about this guy, he was a comedian, of course, in the seventies or so had a TV show. And then later in his career decided that he wanted to get into the whole pro- professional wrestling thing. But back then, Wrestling was treated as fact. It was not known as a fake thing at all, especially in the South. So when this actor came out on TV saying, hey, I'm from Hollywood, all you redneck jokes from (laughs) the South are dumb as bricks, and I'm smart, I'm from Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. The audience venomously wanted to see him die, you know? And there would be shots of these old ladies just like, flicking him off and like spitting on him and just like they were incensed and uh you know which that they took it even further by bringing andy kaufman onto the the tonight show and uh they're the the good guy of the territory was this guy named jerry the king lawler and uh he came out on the tonight show as well and slapped the shit out of andy kaufman right on television which that was the first time that anything like that had ever been done and and nobody knew whether it was real or whether it was fake. It seemed real. It was done very well. And well, he, he really him. hit him. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and it, it's it incredibly interesting. It's definitely a great way to, like, learn about how crazy wrestling used to be back in those days when they just, like, the, it was treated as real. You know, they, the matches in the ring weren't so over the top looking. You know, they tried to make it seem like a legitimate sport. And uh, the, the characters and the personalities back there, it was like the wild, wild west. You know, WWE can't really have these sorts of crazy people anymore because they're very heavy on drug testing, they're corporate, you know, blah, blah, blah. But back in those days, it was anything goes, you know. So those guys were all crazy people just going out there and doing whatever they wanted to do. And it was amazing. Yeah, that that was a great documentary. I've seen it on like Comedy Central back in the day. That was really fun. Yeah. Uh, so, do you just follow WWE, or do you try to follow like Indies and New Japan? Uh, well, I'm kind of casually into New Japan. I just check out what uh, Kenny Omega has been doing. Of course, I've watched the Kenny Omega Okada matches, which those are some of the best things I've ever seen as far as wrestling is concerned. They had these hour long epic matches in the Tokyo dome in Japan of sold out Tokyo dome. And this guy, Kenny Omega, he's not a name that's like a household name here in the United States, but I just have a feeling that any second now he's, he's going to cross over. I mean, he's being very loyal to the league over there in new Japan, but there's just something about this guy. He's just got this uh, amazing, Shtick, I don't know. His charisma is it's it's off the charts, and he does this like Terminator Two kind of thing, and they call him the Cleaner, and uh, he's got some great moves, and I don't know. The guy is fast as lightning. He's truly something to see, and and of course the other competitors out there in New Japan are no joke either. So, yeah. I mean, when you want to see some real knockdown, drag out, hard hitting professional wrestling, 
New Japan is where it's at. You know, you and Kenny Omega have something in common. You both, you both have been guests on the Squared Circle Pit. Oh wow! You had Kenny Omega on the show. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, it was on like uh, two episodes ago. I recommend the listen. He, dude, is a metalhead. He talks about metal and like living in Japan. It was a fun time. He was a very, oh, yeah. very it, nice what, guy. What bands was he dropping? I don't think it's a surprise for a guy like him. He is way into power metal. Like he was like Halloween, Blind Guardian is his jam, Stradivarius. Oh wow! Uh, that's not that's not quite what I expected, but that's cool. Uh, I mean, like he also like was like, oh, I like Metallica, Hatebreed, Rammstein, you know, like stuff like that. But yeah, that was the stuff that like really piqued his interest, and it, it kind of it makes sense to me, I think. But uh, yeah, he was a cool yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, good he, for him. He's he's definitely uh, the ball's in his court, if you will. Yeah. So you do know? you follow Ring of Honor at all, or? I mean, who, who follows uh, I, I TNA? Anyway? I, I tried to a little bit, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't seem to. I, it didn't bite me at the way that I feel with WWE the, does or yeah. New Japan. With Ring of Honor, I like for me, it's like I don't have to watch. I don't watch the TV when they have a big pay per view and there's some cool matches. I'll check it out. But I've been most like if I'm not watching WWE, I'm watching New Japan because it's been really good. I've been watching it a lot. This summer they had their big tournament, the G one, and I committed to yeah. watching all the I committed to watching <laughs> all of it and it was a lot to take in, but it did, it did, oh. did uh, Jim Ross commentate that whole thing? Uh no, he did like the US they did two shows at the beginning in the US and he commentated those. And those are great too. Uh but these were all in Japan and like most of them were weren't even in English. They were in Japanese, but I've started to yeah. really enjoy the Japanese commentary. Uh, sometimes I, I'll put that on instead of the English commentary because the Japanese commentators are like soccer commentators. They're so into it. And like, I've watched wrestling enough where I kind of know, like I know what they're saying. I could figure out the story of the match, but like them getting amped up and being like, Oh, Lariato, you know, like just screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, it gets me hyped up, and I, I, I'm I, I get more into the match, so I, I enjoy watching those guys. And <laughs> well, to the point, I wish I knew well, Japan. Japan. I mean, I Japan wish I knew has Japanese. the most infamous object in all of wrestling, though. The mist, right? The the Japanese table. Oh, the table! <laughs> oh, yes, the unbreakable table. <laughs> the unbreakable table is the most infamous object in all of professional wrestling. More than any chair, more than anything, it's just this. It's just this weirdly skinny. <laughs> a yeah. completely indestructible table that for some reason with like a metal frame it seems like like the frame is the the like i feel the frame in american tables just gives right away but in the japanese ones it's so it's such a heavy material that it's not going anywhere only the yeah. wood bust. you think they try to gimmick it up a little bit yeah. and make it a little but no it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like concrete or something and so you really have to give it something to break it which is kind of, I guess, I guess maybe that's the, that implies the entertainment value of the Japanese table, seeing whether or not it breaks. So I want to ask you now. So you've been at a pay per view. Uh, have you been to Raw or a house show? Yeah, I've been to a bunch of Raws. Yeah, sure. What is your preferred of a house show, NXT show, NXT house show, Raw, SmackDown, or a regular house show? 
Well, I, you know, like I said before, that NXT pay-per-view was probably mm-hmm. the best thing I'd ever seen. So, I mean, that is where it's at when they are really dialing it up to 11 and yeah. during an NXT pay-per-view. Because all the performers really want to prove themselves. They want to go out there and do the best thing that they can. Because, um, you know, if they do well, then they get the opportunity to move up to the WWE main roster. So everybody's just going for it, which I feel like that's where it's at. I agree with you. I think that's the best bang for your buck, and and it's, you're guaranteed a great show. There, ha- I can't think of a bad NXT takeover. There may have been some that have been okay, but they're, they've all been at least pretty good. I've been entertained by every single one. You yeah. know, it's always it's always a good time. Usually, great. never let me I down. Agree. I agree. Yeah, it's the fun stuff. And do you have do you have a, a favorite wrestler at the moment? Favorite wrestler at the moment? Um, you know, it's hard to say because there's. I I'm just a wrestling fan. You know, mm-hmm. they're all. I guess. You know, when when people pose this question on me, I always have you, a different wrestler that I'm into that day. Maybe, yeah, yeah, of course. Or maybe that week. You know? Well, who's the one you're into this week? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> well, I guess I guess um, leaving leaving Brooklyn, I felt like the wrestler that had the most that left the most impression on me was maybe Aleister Black. I kind of got into what he was doing. Yeah. And the finish of that match, and sitting there in the audience, he just hit this crazy roundhouse kick and just like... Nailed it. To, uh, you know, annihilated his opponent and pinned him. And I was like, that was really sweet. It looked yeah. like that kick hit him right in the face, too. It didn't look like it held back at all. And, yeah. Uh, and Hideo Itami, I felt like, really held his own in the match and they that was like a new japan match they beat the shit out of each other yeah and you know the intro was crazy they had the guy from incendiary singing for code orange yeah, which so cool. i don't know if we mentioned this yet but they had a live band set up in the arena for the nxt show too which is a very um first time that's they've done that's that. not very common yeah, yeah. and i thought they sounded that was the best i've ever seen uh, like I'm sure that's the best Code Orange has ever sounded, and that's like the best big arena sound I've ever heard from a band. You know what I mean? They sounded great, and I'm sure that that gig was definitely a very nerve wracking gig for those kids because it, it was an entire arena packed to the gills, and they're not there to see your band in any way. You know they're. So I feel like getting in front of that audience and jamming probably was pretty uh, nerve-wracking. I know I would be kind of nervous about it, and I play gigs all the damn time. (laughs) Yeah, right. They did a great job, though. It was cool. It was really cool. I mean, I feel like Code Orange probably has a a lot more fans now. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking about this with a friend, right? Like, how many people are watching that NXT TakeOver? Like, at least one and a half million. At least, right? If yeah, ten sure. if 10% of that audience are like metal or hardcore kids and are into that, that's 125,000 or 150,000 new fans. If 1% of those people are into it, that's 15,000 new fans. Like any any way, yeah. like even the most minute of rub that they get, you know, <laughs> is yeah. is going to is going to be definitely. huge. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, they deserve it good for them you know they're not a bad band in any way i was impressed 
And yeah. I, I, I was happy for him. I hope that one day maybe WWE call me up and get one of my bands to do that. I mean, that's a heck of a gig. I would, I would be more than happy to get up there and play. We That'd need dream gig. Yeah, get like a municipal. Well, any of your bands getting like a massive circle pit in the arena, going all on the floor. I've been kind of talking here and there with Alexander Wolf. He's one of the cast in Sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and I kind of have been talking a little bit and every now and then. And maybe one day I'll hit him up and be like, hey, dude, <laughs> throw throw me a bone. <laughs> uh, drop a demo in uh, Triple H's office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, dude. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me here on the Squared Circle Pit. It's it's been a, a absolute pleasure to spend maybe two minutes talking about metal and the rest just riffing on my favorite hobby and I'm sure yours as well, pro wrestling. Oh yeah, and uh, you know all the listeners that are out there still listening to us. <laughs> oh, they're listening. This and that. Uh, you know, uh, be sure that you check out all the records I put out this year. I put out one with Iron Reagan called Crossover Ministry. I also put out one with Municipal Waste called Slime and Punishment. And coming up September 8th, the new one from Cannabis Corpse called Left Hand Pass. Cannabis Corpse is going to be going on tour with Soulfly in October. So check out the dates online and try to come out to a show and say, hey, bring me some wrestling memorabilia. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, thanks, everybody out there. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. You're the busiest man in underground metal, it seems like, with all these releases and tours. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, Phil. I'll let you go, man. Thank you again. An absolutely awesome chat with Landfill. Thank you so much, Land, I was about to say. Thank you so much, Phil, for uh, taking the time to hang out with me here on Squared Circle Pit. I will be back in two weeks. I'm going to PWG next week to the Battle of Los Angeles. If you uh, happen to be in the area and you have an extra ticket for night three, please hit me up, Robert at MetalInjection.net. I could really, really use it. I would obviously pay face value and would really appreciate it. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm going to see there at PWG. It's uh, Labor Day weekend, so a lot of the people that I was hoping to see are actually going to be either out of town or celebrating an anniversary or something like that. But I am going to try to get some audio from down there, and we'll see what I could pull off if not i'll just do another episode where i interview somebody but as always i love hearing from you i love hearing recommendations and suggestions on who you you would like to hear on the show you can do that by tweeting me at rob injection you can also tweet at squared circle pit no e in circle or go to facebook.com slash squared circle pit there is an e in that (laughs) you are a little confusing i know but uh, i'll be back in two weeks and until then Watch wrestling and blast heavy metal.